0: Chapter Twenty Six of As in a Mirror by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six. Dismissed. It was all very well to appear dignified before Miss Elliot, but never did a gentleman go out from her presence more thoroughly uncomfortable in mind than did John Stuart King on that memorable evening. He was sure that he had been a simpleton throughout the interview he had allowed himself to be misunderstood to have his motives maligned in short to appear ashamed of his position instead of explaining calmly that he had adopted an ordinary business method of action for the sole purpose of studying social problems it was a scheme of which he had a right to be proud rather than ashamed this he told himself while he was in a fume in calmer moments he admitted that no man could be really proud of a position that compelled him to shade the truth a dozen times in a single day moreover people did not like to be duped even though the deception had done them no harm there was something undoubtedly to be said for miss Elliot's side he tramped off some of his surplus energy by making all speed to the station one step of his future was clear to him he would without an hour's delay do what he could to overset that will which by this time he hated he took a savage delight in the prospect of making it good for nothing the train was late after all his haste and he had to march up and down the little platform to keep himself warm subject to the sleepy-eyed stare of the station agent it was unusual for residents of bennetville and vicinity to take a train to town at that late hour he came back over the road with slower step but not more cheerful views of life his interview with judge bernard had added a little to his general sense of being ill-used that gentleman asked many questions and imparted no information he could not even learn from him whether the necessary forms of law could be managed without delay before reaching the farm however he had decided upon the next step he would not leave town that night notwithstanding his offer to hildreth Elliot to do so if she desired she had not said in words that she desired it and he believed that there was a duty that he owed to her father although she had been in too lofty a mood to recognize it he had not exaggerated the confidence which mr elliot had of late placed in him on the very next day he was to have driven to a distant town to complete a certain business transaction which required judgment and quick-wittedness mr elliot had not hesitated to place the matter in his hands it should have his best attention delay would cause embarrassment and might result in pecuniary loss he would start at daylight if miss elliot chose during his absence to arrange so that he could do nothing further for her father that was her concern for himself he stood ready to give honourable warning of his change of occupation he should be absent all day and therefore need not disturb miss elliot by a sight of him having settled this he gave a very few hours to restless sleep during which he continued his interview with hildreth with even more unsatisfactory results than had attended his waking and then roused susan appleby at an hour which she considered unreasonable pity's sake she grumbled why didn't you start last night i suppose it is your supper you are hungry for since you wouldn't condescend to come and eat it he had packed away stuart king's garments in the trunk and every article of clothing he wore belonged to the man known as john stuart so susan felt at home with him and as usual was not afraid to speak her mind he was very gentle with her susan had been a friend to him he could recall times without number when she had advised him for his good he realized that she had honestly done her best to be helpful to him he replied meekly that it was not so much breakfast that he wanted as to leave some messages for mr Elliot. it was to be explained to him that john had made a very early start because he had learned the day before that on saturdays the chief man he was going to see generally went to town by the noon train and by starting thus early he believed that he could reach him and transact his business before train time there followed other messages or suggestions rather concerning matters that ought to receive attention during his absence until at last susan appleby who was proud of the evident way in which he took the elliot interests to heart and who faithfully treasured every word he said in order for an accurate report grumbled again did he think she was a walking dictionary or something to remember all those words mr Elliot had run the farm before he came there and she thought likely enough he could do it again susan did not know what a thorn she thrust into the sore heart of john by that last he felt its truth he was probably exaggerating his importance even to mr Elliot. it really made little difference to any one save possibly his mother and elizabeth where he went or what he did as he drove into the farmyard late that afternoon his errand having been accomplished in a gratifying manner he saw hanging on one of the bars that divided the meadow lot from the yard an individual whose presence actually gave him a pang of something like envy this was no other than jim the man who had worked for mr Elliot just before his own advent and who had fallen sick apparently for the purpose of giving him an opening he had heard much of this individual susan who thought much better of jim ill and away than she had of him at work on the farm had given detailed accounts of his virtues jim had fully recovered and he was doubtless in search of his old place john stewart had met the youth several times in the village and knew that he had a fondness for the elliot farm a few words with him as he sat astride the fence corroborated this idea jim was hoping that there would be an opening at least in the spring and had come around to see about it he had been talking things over with mr elliot he didn't want to get in any other fellow's way but after all this was kind of his place a man couldn't help getting sick john assented to it all apparently the man had come in an opportune time why was he not glad just what step should he take next it seemed probable that miss Elliot had made her disclosures perhaps he could see mr Elliot at once and depart without burdening her with a further glimpse of him and then susan appleby shouted at him from the kitchen doorway if i was you i'd find out what i was to do next before i unharnessed them horses i shouldn't wonder a mite if you would have to drive to the station after hildreth they tramped down there this afternoon her and nanny marvin but it isn't anyways likely that they mean to tramp out again i don't know nothing about it but i think it's likely that miss elliot does if i was you i'd ask her before i did a lot of work for nothing i suppose you've heard the news haven't you what news said john stuart tentatively as he came toward the house with a view perhaps to acting upon susan's advice nothing seemed more improbable than that miss elliot would permit him to bring her from the station but it was possible that he ought to inquire why about that everlasting will it is going to pop up in some shape or other the rest of our lives i reckon i don't know what it'll do next to make a hubbub i'm sure what has it done this time John Stewart was washing his hands now at the sink and reflecting whether it was probable that Susan had already heard of the heir's rejection of the property. Evidently, she did not know who the heir was. Susan's views might indicate how much had already been told. Therefore, his question: Why that fellow, whoever he is, that folks thought Squire Hartwell left his money to? You've heard of him, haven't you? i've heard his name mentioned several times said john stewart dryly well i reckon he feels fine to-day only maybe he didn't hear the other story i don't know how far off he is i hope he didn't i can't help feeling kind of sorry for the poor fellow having money left him then not having it and then having it again and then not having it some more is worse than never having had a notion of getting any according to my idea it ain't his you see after all stopping in the act of filling her kettle to see the effect of her words that will that nanny marvin found and that none of em had sense enough to look at but just rushed off to judge bernard with it he came up here this morning post haste and told him that it was squire hartwell's last will and testament sure enough but there isn't a red cent of the money left to that fellow whatever his name was nor to anybody else but just nanny marvin herself only she's got to promise to marry rex hartwell or else she can't have it easy enough for her to promise that she's been crazy after him ever since i knew her for pity's sake john stewart what are you dripping soapy water all over my floor for it don't need cleaning didn't i finish scrubbing it not an hour ago have i hurt the floor susan i'm very sorry he transferred the offending hands to the wash basin finishing his toilet in extreme haste and got out again to the yard in the horses it had suddenly become difficult to breathe inside All his efforts, then, had been in vain. Had he simply kept quiet, and allowed things to take their course, all would have been well, and he might be at this moment quietly driving to the station for Miss Elliot as a matter of course. It was a very bitter reflection. He had not been ready for disclosures, he had made them badly, and now to find them worse than unnecessary the repentant susan came out on the steps and called again come on in and get some dinner i've kept it hot for you you needn't wait until supper you must be about starved by this time he answered gently again that he did not feel hungry and would wait susan went in slamming the door a little and grumbling pity's sake if he's going to turn so touchy as that what's the use in trying to do anything just because i scolded a little about his drippy hands he left his horses blanketed at last and went into mr Elliot's room that gentleman was now improving daily he was sitting up in his easy chair and was alone the moment john Stuart saw his face he knew that he had been told the news it was not a disagreeable interview Mr. Elliot did not seem indignant like his daughter. He said that he understood something of what the motive might have been, and congratulated John on his success in carrying out the scheme. He even laughed a little over his own utter innocence, and recalled with laughter certain items of advice that he had given. John could sooner have cried. He felt himself parting with a friend the truth was he had come in closer touch with a real home than ever in his life before moreover despite his kindness there was in mr elliot that little undertone of feeling about having been duped like all practical jokes it had its disagreeable side no man likes to have his faith in other men played with john stuart tried to hint at his willingness to remain until such time as mr Elliot could spare him better but there was no opening for that evidently it was taken for granted that his reason for making the disclosure at all was his desire to get away his sacrifice in connection with it had been apparently forgotten why not since it was not needed mr Elliot made light of his share of the inconvenience jim had come to him that very afternoon desiring his old place it seemed providential jim had really done very well indeed for so young a fellow and he himself should be around in a few days oh no they would not think of asking john to stay under the circumstances it would be embarrassing for all of them he was sorry that he had felt bound to attend to that day's business but glad of course for its successful conclusion jim could hardly have managed that if he would like to take the train that evening jim could drive him to the station when he went for hildreth in short john stuart went out from that interview feeling himself dismissed notwithstanding farmer Elliot's closing words half serious and yet comic you have certainly served me faithfully and if at any time you find yourself in need of a recommendation as a farm-hand don't hesitate to apply to me there was a sense in which he felt himself dismissed in disgrace he was almost compelled to leave the farm that night and it was not what he wanted to do he hesitated with a lingering desire to say good-bye to susan then thought better of it and made his way up to the woodhouse chamber just as jim was responding with alacrity to mr Elliot's call he did not go directly to the city that he called home instead he bought his ticket for the college town where corliss Elliot was staying he was in no mood for home just now he shrank from fletcher's probing questions and felt that he had no story to tell about his summer's outing a vague feeling that corliss Elliot might be in embarrassment of some sort and a desire to be helpful to him was as nearly as he could understand his motives what prompted him to stop at the college town he had never learned what form of trouble it was that sent corliss home that night so heavily laden nor how he had gotten out of it as triumphantly as his telegram would seem to indicate that it had to do with money in some way he thought was evident and a boy who was deeply involved in money difficulties did not usually find his way out so quickly perhaps the telegram was only a skillful effort to lift the burden from his sister's shoulders the more he thought about it the more he convinced himself that the boy was in danger in greater danger probably than his secluded sister could even imagine if he, John Stuart King, could secure an influence over him, could win him perhaps from dangerous companions, could gradually secure his confidence and help him practically and permanently, if debt were one form of his trouble, would not that be something worth stopping for? It would dignify his more than doubtful experiment and restore to him his self respect. Moreover, would it not in a way which perhaps nothing else could soften miss Elliot's feelings toward him help her to understand that although he had chosen to masquerade for a time as another character he was really an honest earnest man with a purpose in life this last motive he tried to put away from him as unworthy miss Elliot had practically insulted him had shown him that he was less than nothing to her despite the kindly interest that she had taken in john stewart an interest that had evidently been growing of late he owed it to his self-respect to think no more about her but the boy corliss who had been uniformly kind to him even when he regarded him with more or less suspicion he should like to win him and watch over him and help him arrived in town he wandered about valise in hand in the lower and more obscure portions of the city until he found a lodging-house sufficiently humble for his needs and hired a room for the night from this he emerged in the morning fully attired as john stuart king to the unbounded astonishment and he could not help feeling suspicion of the sleepy-looking maid who stared after him as he walked down the street he had taken the precaution to pay his bill the night before and had said that he had wanted no breakfast it annoyed him however to think of that servant-maid's stare he wanted to be done with intrigue of every sort from this time forth he took a car up town and having questioned his way selected one of the best hotels in the city where he registered at once as stuart king with possibly an extra flourish of his pen about the last name then unpacked his valise and established himself resolved to give exclusive attention to reuben and hannah and wait for monday and the hope of an interview with corliss elliot end of chapter 26